Praise God. I'm still getting used to this. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Derek. I'm the campus pastor here of our Fishers campus. And if we haven't had the honor to meet each other, I would love to after service. Um, and uh, just so thankful that you're all here today. And uh, just because I'm new, I want to make sure that you guys get to know me a little bit better. So before we jump into scripture, I'm going to go ahead and tell you all a story about my wife and I. So my, my wife and I, we've been married 11 years. We have uh, seven children. And, uh, you know, I, I love my wife. Um, so, uh, segue, how do I segue? Uh, so, uh, you know, before we had kids, my wife was pregnant. We made the decision was really great, uh, to go on a trip to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, because our honeymoon, we couldn't spend that much money. And we went to Nashville, Indiana for that. So we, we, we ended up going to Gatlinburg, stayed in a cabin, you know, did, did, bunch of different stuff we wanted to do. But one of the things that my wife wanted to do was a problem because I'm afraid of it. And I did not want to do this thing. So she wanted to go get a couple's massage. Now, some of you think I'm weird. I think you're weird. Because here's the deal with a couple's massage, massage in general, like my mindset has been and still is, why would you choose that as a profession to touch strangers? <laughs> that makes no sense to me at all. If you, it's creepy. <laughs> so that's, that's where I'm at. So we, Josie does research and she finds this wonderful place. So it said a wonderful place to get a couple's massage, and we, you know, we were driving there, my hands, my palms are sweaty, I'm holding the steering wheel, we park, I still can't let go of the wheel, and she says, honey, it's going to be okay, look, there's a cross in front, it's a Christian place, I'm like, oh, great, I feel so much better since there's a cross there, <laughs> that's awesome, so we go in, we meet this lady, they take us upstairs to this room, and then another employee comes in, and I'm a nervous wreck, because all I hear is wah 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 as they're giving instructions, and and then uh, you know they're and they're saying this is what they're saying is, you know you'll be able to pick out oils and 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 then you will leave the room and you can undress. Well, I just heard wah 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 wah, wah undress. <laughs> so I just take my shirt off in front of these two ladies. They're mortified. They're like, well, what is happening? They walk out. I put the shirt back on. Josie's dying laughing. She gets under the sheets. I get under the sheets with all my clothes on. So they come back in the room and, and you know, I say, I'm so sorry. You know, I've never done this before. She says, it's okay. But she said, you may want to take off your shirt again. So I have to sit up and take my shirt off again for the second time from this lady. And then she says, here, smell these different oils. I don't like any of them. They smell, they smell gross to me. And then, and then I had to, like, she does some of the massage, and she says, could you remove your pants? And I'm like, oh, man, I really don't want to be here. So I just, I'm like, we committed. I'm going to go 100%. Like, I give to the Lord 100%. We're going to give this thing 100%. I'm going to give it a shot. And I came out of there more stressed than I've ever been. I'm stressed right now thinking about it. <laughs> 
I didn't say this first service, but my, my little girls know that about me, that I don't, I'm not a big toucher. So I let them kiss my face and cheeks, but I squirm while they do it. Oh, they love it. They think it's so much fun. And uh, I'm a good dad, believe me. I still hug them and stuff, but ugh, it's not my love language, okay? Don't, do not come up to me and massage my shoulders. Don't do it. You may have an elbow that just naturally comes up. Anyways, it's okay. Well, let's, uh, let's pray now, you know? <laughs> Father God, Lord, we're so thankful for you and that this could be a house of joy. We're thankful, Lord, that you are good and worthy of praise. God, we ask that you will move through your word and touch all of us. And Lord, I ask that you help me get out of the way. Use me as an instrument for your glory and your honor. You be glorified in Jesus' name. Everyone said Amen, amen. Hey, we're in Second uh, Samuel chapter 1. Last week we recapped, if you weren't here, uh, we recapped that there was an Amalekite that came. This is after Saul's death, and he told, he told David that he had killed Saul. And then so what happens is this Amalekite is trying to get, gain something out of this. And so he, he ends up uh, dying uh, because of his testimony that he killed the Lord's anointed. And that brought this question of, is there an Amalekite in our hearts? Are we wanting to, uh, are we wanting to hurt people or, or cause people pain at our own benefit? And that was the question last week. And, and this week we'll, we'll be talking about this song or this dirge, this lament over Saul and Jonathan and how we can mourn well when someone is either going through a heart, rough time or they've passed away. And it says, starting 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 17, it says, then David, then David chanted this lament over Saul and his son Jonathan. And he told them to teach the sons of Judah the song of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. So he, he has this, this, this lament, and it really, is, really comes from his heart. It's this mourning that he has for Saul and for Jonathan. And so, so he's saying to Judah, to the tribe of Judah, hey, it's important that we, we remember this. We need to make sure that we commemorate it and teach it to your sons so we can remember and honor them. We want to remember and honor people who have gone before us. And like even here at Life Church, we're standing on the shoulders of other people who have labored and, and built this building. Like we're standing on other people's shoulders. We should honor them. And so we, this, this lament, he says, teach it to Judah. And then he says, and let's write it in the book of Jasher. So the book of Jasher was this living book that continued. I say living, I mean, they kept adding to it, just got longer and longer and longer. And the book of Jasher, you can't find it today. There's lots of fake copies or books on the book of Jasher, but we don't, we don't know what all was in that book. It really, Jasher means the righteous. So the book of the righteous or the book of the upright. And it was just these stories of these different men of men and women who are righteous before before God and really it, it, to compare it it would be like our national archives and that was Israel's national archives it's lost i would love to find it because it'd be worth hundreds of millions of dollars and uh um but that will never happen <laughs> so verse 19 moving on it says your beauty o israel is slain on your high places so he's saying the beauty of Israel, the king and the prince, they're both, they're both no more. 
And the high places, I think about the place of sacrifice, like Pastor Nathan talked about earlier, is this, this place of, of, of sacrifice for Israel and to God. He says, how the mighty have fallen. It's important. Now, this is, this is a, a dirge of honor to those who, who have gone through different things, but it's important to remember that even in that, we can find some things that it's important to know that the mighty can fall. And, but at the same time, even though the mighty can fall, we need to remember that we should honor them whether it is uh, a spiritual leader or it is someone, uh, a president, it's someone who has, who has fallen, we should honor them. We don't want to dishonor. And, and I wonder, like, this scripture brought to my mind, what were the steps of Saul? How did he end up falling? And the first step we talked about last week a little bit, but basically he's told by Samuel the prophet, go kill the Amalekites because they were, they were terrible, awful people and they were doing evil things and he ends up saving some of them, keeping some of them alive and their stuff. And then so uh, Samuel ends up telling him, he says, hey, to, to not obey God is as witchcraft. To this arrogance is, is, is as, is as uh, is, it's a debauchery to the Lord. And, and, and so we need to keep in our hearts, remember that from that story of Saul, that, that we don't want arrogance in our hearts. And he was mighty. And that's important to remember that him and Jonathan were mighty. We don't want arrogance. We don't want disobedience against the Lord our God. And to give you a little bit more of a picture of how mighty they were, Saul saved Israel. He was their deliverer. He was the one who stepped in. They were going to take these men and make them pluck out their eyes in the nation of Israel and have them be slaves. The Spirit of God came upon Saul and he saved them. And so, so we have to remember that. Even though, like we all know what Saul did. We know that he wasn't, it's written in Scripture, he wasn't a great guy. I'm sure he wasn't, I don't think he was probably a lot of fun to be around. And, but at the same time, we have to remember the good things about people. And choose to remember those good things. And then Jonathan, Jonathan one day, he is, he is with his armor bearer. They see some Philistines. He's like, hey, let's, let's go ahead and go over. Maybe, perhaps the Lord will give, us in, give them into our hands. And then if they say, come up, then we know that they're delivered into our hands and we'll overtake him. And the armor bearer is like, yeah, let's go. But that guy got no sword. He has no sword. So he's like, sure, let's do it. I've been like, I'm out. So they go, and they, the, the, one of the Philistines says, come up to us. And then Jonathan's like, okay. He climbs up there. They killed 20 Philistines. His armor bearer's killing guys behind him with no weapon. I mean, these were bad dudes. And it's, it's been told to me that, that Jonathan was actually the mightiest of David's mighty men. That's pretty mighty. Pretty powerful, and there, we'll see more of that in this passage as we go on. How the mighty have fallen. Then he says, tell it not in Gath, proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised exult. So he's saying, because Gath was the, was the capital of the Philistines, 
And Ashkelon is on the Mediterranean Sea. It was really a port city. So you have these two places where they, where they, they give uh, worship to false gods, multiple false gods. And then I think of that port city. Like we don't want to, what he's saying is we don't want our enemies to know, not just the Philistines, but the enemies that could be reached through Ashkelon. We don't want to give them any more reason to indulge in sin and honor their false gods because of the death of Saul. And then with the daughters of the Philistines, Saul killed many of their fathers. So it was a big, it would have been a big deal. It would have been like when, when we, we uh, captured when we, Saddam Hussein or, or uh, I can't think of the guy's name from Osama bin Laden. Like how many of us, we, we rejoiced at his death. It would, have been like, it would have been a public disgrace to the nation. I mean, this would have been like Saul dying would have been like George Washington being killed in battle. It's been a big deal. That's the only person I can think of who, who could really compare. In my mind, you know, maybe, maybe um, Dr. King, Dr. Martin Luther King, that's another one. It's a big, that was a huge, that was a national mourning thing. And, and to the nation, it's a, it's a huge, huge blow. And then with the, with the city of Ashkelon, we don't want, they didn't want basically Egypt to know about it. They want other nations to know, hey, Israel could be weak. Let's go ahead and attack them as well. And so what we, to keep in mind in our own life is, are, are there things that happen to people and, and we have opportunity to gossip about them? Instead, we should choose the high road because we don't, we don't want to give, especially if, if there's someone who's a Christian who falls away, we don't, we don't want to give those who don't believe any reason not to believe in Christ. So we want to be head and shoulders above the crowd and what other people are saying at all times. He sa- and then he says this, David says in verse 21, O mountains of Gilboa, let there not let not dew or rain be upon you. So no mountain dew, nor fields, nor fields of offerings. So he's cursing this place. For there the shield of the mighty was defiled. The shield of Saul was not anointed with oil. So if you go to Israel today on Mount Gilboa, there's still a spot that is barren. Now, since 1948, they had reforestation efforts. They hand-planted over 200 million trees in the nation. And so when they did that, it actually changed the weather patterns. I don't understand. I'm not a scientist. I don't know. It just happened. So they planted all these trees. There's some on Mount Gilboa, but they would not be there if they had not hand-planted them. But the nation left part of it barren because of the Scripture that David wrote in honor of King David and King Saul. Pretty powerful. The shield of the mighty was defiled, so his shield was no longer upright. It wasn't as it should have been. It, it, it wasn't the purposes of his shield were not to be used. Instead, they're on the, it's on the ground. It's muddied and bloodied. And the anointing, that, that, anointing, that oil was to help deflect and take care of the shields, help deflect a weapon. But then I also think of the, the anointing of God and how 
it's important that we stay in his presence. Because you can't live on last year's anointing. You can't live on the presence of God last year or last week. We need, we, the Bible says, a continual filling of the Holy Spirit. We need that continual filling all the time. And we can look at Saul's life and see that there are some things that, that cause that, that we'll get to. From the blood of the slain, verse 22 is where I'm at. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, and the sword of Saul did not return empty. So I did this first service too. I meant to mention this earlier, but the bow, this, song, this is the song of the bow. And it's so important to David for a couple reasons. One, it, the Saul and, and or Jonathan and David's soul were, were knit together. And Jonathan gave him his robe, he gave him his sword, he gave him his, his bow, and he, he said, you're going to be keen. Here's my armor. You can have all of it. So the bow is really important. He was quite, I mean, he's an oppressive archer, Jonathan was. And then there's this time when Saul wants to, wants to kill David. He's after him. And, and, you know, you ever have that weird feeling with, with somebody at work? Like, hey, I think they're out to get me. And your fellow employee's like, they're not out to get you, man. And then they see something, they're like, yeah, they're out to get you. I know I've had that happen before. And uh, so he says, David says to Jonathan, hey, your dad is trying to kill me. And he's like, you're crazy. Well, just because you're saying it, let me go back and talk to dad and see what he says. Well, dad does want to kill David. So then he, he tells David, hey, if I, I'll shoot a bow and I'll have a servant go get the arrow. If I say to the servant, no, come closer. It's, it's, you know, it's not that far away. Then you'll know you're safe. If I say, hey, go farther, then, then you know you have to run away. He is going to try to kill you. So he saves, and he does say that, and, and so he saves David's life. So it's a, it's a big thing to David in this song because it's to save, it, you know, the bow saved his life. So it's honoring. It's very honoring to Jonathan. And the, the sword of Saul did not return empty. So he said, the bow did not turn back and the sword didn't turn, turn empty. He's saying they aren't cowards. They didn't, they didn't run when there was some pressure. They didn't run when there was a fight. They stood in the gap. They were mighty, mighty men. They were warriors. Saul, verse 23, Saul and Jonathan, beloved and pleasant in their life, in their death, they were not parted. So I, when I initially read that scripture, I go, <laughs> he's, calling, he's calling Saul pleasant. What? This makes sense. But I'm sure it was true to a degree. And so he's choosing, instead of, instead of choosing death over Saul, he's choosing life. Even though he was on the run for 10 years from Saul, He's remembering the good things. It's important to remember the good things about people, even if they abuse us or cause us pain or hurt us. It's important. So he, he says that, and then he says they were pleasant in life, and in their death they were not parted. So, so they were always together. They were of one mind. Now there's a time in Scripture that we can see how pleasant 
Jonathan was that battle when he goes up and he takes those mighty men. The Lord causes an earthquake and then all of Israel rushes and goes against the Philistines. They end up defeating the Philistines. But during that battle, Saul says something. He says, cursed is the man who eats anything until we defeat the Philistines. Well, Jonathan doesn't hear that. He's hungry. He eats some honey. Then they say, hey, don't eat that. And he's like, I already did. I'm just going to eat more. It's fine. And, <laughs> right? So, uh, so then I'm lost now a little bit. <laughs> so he, he, he eats the honey. He gets his strength. Well, then there's lots cast to find out who sinned in Israel. And remember, Saul has the authority underneath God. He, he said that curse. And the Lord honors that. And so this, these lots are between, is it, okay, is it Israel or is it uh, Jonathan and Saul who sinned? And the lot cast to Saul and Jonathan, then they cast lots between each other, and it falls to Jonathan. And he says, what did you do, Jonathan? And he said, I ate food, now I must die because of the curse. And, and Saul curses himself and curses Jonathan and says, so if you do not die today, how, then how much worse it will than it should be for me. So he's saying, I should die if I don't kill you today. You're going to die. And then the nation steps in because of the influence that Jonathan had. And they said, should he die? He did a great thing in Israel today, and they save his life. So, But remember, Jonathan is cursed. I want you to hold on to that because that curse holds power because why? He ends up dying in at Mount Gilboa. And he would have been second in charge to King David, he would have submitted to his authority. He says, he says in that verse 23, they were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. I was a deer hunting, I, I shot a deer. If that grosses you out, whatever. <laughs> I do care. I get it. I get, you know, I shot a deer with a bow. I had to, we had to leave it in the field. It was a liver and gut shot. I know that's gross too. But we had to leave it. But as we're leaving this, this place, we, I see this bald eagle fly above the water of the river. And I'm like, oh, beautiful. What amazing. It was so amazing. And I looked up how fast bald eagles fly. They, they fly 120 miles an hour. But the eagles that are in Israel, they're golden eagles. They fly 200 miles an hour. So he's saying, Jonathan was fast. Really fast. I mean, he goes up that mountain. They're just slaying guys left and right. They're quick and they're stronger than lions. Our bite force is 150 PSI. Now think if you've been bit by a toddler. It's nowhere near 150 PSI. I've been bit many times by toddlers. So our, I'm sure ours is a lot worse. Well, a lion's bite force is 650 PSI. You crush bones. Pretty powerful. They were, he's saying, they're strong. He's saying, I want you to capture this. They're, they're, they're warriors. They're mighty. These are, they're like superheroes. To us today. I couldn't even think of anybody today who could compare to these guys. Pretty powerful. Maybe the, the Navy SEALs. 
The Navy man right over there. He loved that. He says, O daughters of Israel, weep for Saul, who clothed you in luxury and scarlet, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. So he's saying, remember, remember the reason that we're prospering is because of Saul and Jonathan. Remember that. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of battle. Jonathan is slain on your high places. So there's three times that he says, how the mighty have fallen. This is the second. And what happened with Saul, his second fall was David kills Goliath. He has success. They go back into a city and, and the, the women of Israel, the young women say, Saul's killed thousands, but David's killed tens of thousands. And then insecurity gets in his heart. Jealousy gets in. James chapter three says, do not let Jealousy and bitter envy come in you because if it comes in you, you'll find disorder in every evil practice. That's what happened to Saul. So we have to ask ourselves, are we jealous of somebody? Is there someone you're jealous of? Is there someone that you're envious of? James says it's demonic. We don't want anything demonic in our life. Amen? We have to remember that. How the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan is slain on your high places like a place of sacrifice. He says, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. So here he he turns from singing about them to singing to Jonathan. And I believe that's inspired by the Holy Spirit when he sings this about Jonathan. Because I believe he he probably knows Jonathan is, is still around because he... God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. And when the dead died, who were righteous looking forward to the kingdom of God, they were sent to this place called Abraham's bosom. They couldn't go to heaven. Remember, Jesus died. He's dead for three days. He comes back to life. And then he says to Mary, he says, don't touch me because I haven't ascended to my father yet. And then he says to the thief on the cross, he he says, today when we die, you will be with me in paradise. They didn't ascend to heaven. And even Ephesians chapter four says that God, that Jesus led a a procession of those who were captives. He led the captives who were captive out of captivity. And it says that he ascended below. So just like he ascended to heaven, he ascended below to the lower regions of the earth. He ascended into hell, and he rescued those who were in captivity in this place called Abraham's bosom. Just to give you a little bit of background, if you've never heard that before. So he he knows that he's still alive. And he's saying, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. And he's weeping and crying. He said, you've been very pleasant to me. He remembers the goodness of his brother-in-law. He remembers that he stood for him when no one else would stand. That he saved his life. Your love for me was more wonderful than the love of women. So I got to mention this because this scripture right here, and worship team, you can come on up. This scripture is the scripture that the LGBTQ, the alphabet mafia loves to use. That's what I call them that, the alphabet mafia. 
They love to use this scripture to justify homosexuality. You have to really read into that to see that. And on top of all of that, remember, David would have not, he wouldn't even kill Saul. He would have got the kingdom immediately. And he said, how dare I touch the Lord's anointed? And in Leviticus, it says that it is detestable. Homosexuality is detestable to the Lord. I'm just saying it. We're, you know, we're at a point where we just have to say it. And I know we, we love the sinners. We hate the sin. The, even Jesus said the ho- that the gospel is for the homosexual. The gospel is for those who are, but the, it also says those who are lazy. It's for those who are in sin, those who are in sexual sin. The gospel is for all. We can't separate sin from the gospel. Jesus came. He came for my sin. And he came for yours. We can't, we can't let this group of people dictate what we preach. We affect culture. Culture doesn't affect us. We're the children of God. We have no fear. Either in life or death, we don't fear. We won't be afraid because the righteous is as bold as a lion. So I'm just confronting this because it's in Scripture. It says it's detestable. If it was detestable then, it's detestable now. It's not because we hate anybody. We actually love them so much we would tell them that they need a Savior. We're going to put a big cross up here. And the cross is offensive to churches, but we're going to put up a big cross because that's part of the gospel. I'm getting off. He says, you have been, I read this like, you have been pleasant to me, Jonathan. Your love for me was more wonderful than the love of women in battle like the 101st Airborne and that band of brothers, the, the unity and the trust is so much greater with soldiers than with their families. Because it's different when you're in the trenches and you depend upon the man next to you to save your life and fight with you. That's what's happening. There was this union between them because of what they went through. Continuing on, it says, how the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. He's saying, how how the mighty have fallen. It's a big deal. Even though everything he walked through with Saul, how he was on the run, he hid in caves. How could this happen is what he's saying. You know, I believe one of the things that caused Saul's death at this battle was the fact that he, he couldn't hear God so the night before the battle, he, he tried to hear him through dreams. He wasn't having dreams from the Lord. He wasn't hearing him through the prophets. So then he decides to go around Mount Gilboa, which is here. He goes around Mount Gilboa. Then the Philistines are here. Then Endor, where the witch was, is here. He has to sneak all the way around the mountain, go around the enemy, and then get to Endor. It was a very intentional thing. And the Bible says those who practice witchcraft and idolatry should die. They should be stoned. And then he tries to hear from God through that witch. 
Look, we cannot, as a church, we cannot, as believers and Christians, go after something, go and, and try to seek wisdom outside of the Most High. He is wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We should fear the Most High God. And we have to look at Saul's life and remember that. And then I believe that there's a Christ picture here because he says the weapons of war have perished. You know that Jonathan was slain on the high places? Jesus was slain on the high place. You know that, that Jonathan was a mighty man, but Jesus was the mightiest of all. Jonathan died and ascended to the lower regions. Well, so did Jesus. He was waiting the rest. Jonathan was waiting for the rescuer, but Christ came to rescue him. And the weapons that, that David is quoting here is not weapons of steel or sword, spear. The weapons are Saul and Jonathan. And the weapon on the cross was Jesus. He was the weapon. He was, think about this, Jesus was capital punishment for you and for I. We have to remember where our weapons are, amen? Our weapons are in Christ Jesus, and we shouldn't use our own tongue for our own benefit in weapons. And even when someone dies, I meant to mention this earlier, when someone dies, a good thing to do, especially if they hurt you, cause you pain, write a memorial on the website of the funeral home and write good things. Even if you experienced cursing, even if they spoke words over you, dress up for their funeral, tell them, Show honor to those who haven't shown you honor. Jesus said to pray for those who persecute you. He's, and Jesus said, do good to those who cause you pain. He says, you'll keep burning coals on people's heads when you do that. If you're good to them and you love them, even if it's someone still alive, don't speak negatively about them. Only speak the good things. Remember the good things and speak those. Speak life instead of death. Life is in the power of the tongue. And the last thing about Jonathan was Jonathan, Jonathan was cursed to death. Well, Jesus was cursed as well, just like Pastor Nathan said earlier. You know, he took the cursing for you and for I, so we wouldn't have to be cursed. Every word someone's spoken over you that's negative does not have to affect you because Jesus took the curse for you. Amen, everybody? Let's bow our heads and, we pr and we'll pray. If, if you have had someone speak a curse over you or speak death over you or you even have hurt in your heart from somebody, I want to pray for you. But there's another group of you. It's a group I want to pray for. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and truly give Him your life, I just want to lead you in this prayer. You just have to mean everything you say. Just repeat this prayer after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you lived and died, and you're alive again. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. And then just say, I give you my life. Lord, we give you our lives right now. If you've received a curse from somebody, a word curse, or if you have pain and hurt, if you'd be comfortable, just lift your hands. Just like turn them towards heaven like you're receiving something in an act of faith. The Bible says faith without deeds is dead. Just even a physical action can help shape your heart towards the Father. Father God, we come to you. Everyone who is hurt, who has had anything spoken over them that is a lie. 
Lord, I pray you would heal them. Just pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, you took cursing so I wouldn't have to. Lord, I give you all the words. I give you all the pain. Take this yoke and give me yours in return. In Jesus' name. Every person who's in here, whether you have a hurt or pain, in Jesus' name, every word curse be broken in Jesus' mighty name. Every, every weapon of the enemy come to not in the name of Jesus because Jesus is the weapon. So I come against every word curse in Jesus' name and all the pain. I thank you. I ask you, great physician, to heal every person who's here that might have pain in their heart even their physical bodies. We praise you. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen, amen.